I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh yeah, you know what time it is. Monday at 7 o'clock. How about the Therese Paler Show? Yes, Therese Paler, the one we all love. Former Chiefs beat writer. He's the corporate champion, the people's champion. He's with Yahoo Sports now as a senior NFL reporter and a Hall of Fame voter. And he's on the line right now. What's up, Therese? Vink, my man, how you doing? We're doing good, man. You're doing good. Are you still the people's champion? Uh, You you know, I think I went, uh, I I definitely joined the corporation um, right before I went to Yahoo and I don't believe that I've had my 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 face turn yet, so I think I'm still a corporate champion. But eventually, I'm sure, you know, you know how this goes. I'm, I'll be a people's champion. But I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm the the corporate champ right now. All right, Therese, uh, you and I have talked a lot about the Buccaneers this year, and it's interesting. I'd like to go back and listen to some of the things we said about them. We always believed in them. They were up and they were down and they were on this roller coaster ride at seven and five. I mean, it was an average football team at that point. I was shocked at what they did to the Chiefs yesterday. I don't know what your initial reaction or what kind of words you're going to put it into, but that game, on a scale to 1 to 10, I was shocked to a 10. Um, I wouldn't say 10 for me, my man. I you know, I think when we've talked about this before, I, I did pick the Chiefs to win, but I was pretty consistent that, you know, uh, <laughs> the Bucks could win the game, and there was a path for that. Well, I'm not saying they you know, couldn't, Therese. I was just more yeah. surprised by how they played. Uh, yeah, I was definitely surprised about how they played. Like, if you put it that way, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I, I didn't expect them to play so poorly, um, especially offensively. Like, I never would have imagined that the Chiefs of all teams would have, you know, <laughs> finished with uh, become the third team yeah. to not score a touchdown in the Super Bowl era. Like, that was insane. That was crazy. So, yeah, I was not expecting that, but um, – I, I was I was concerned, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But they they were going to have to make some adjustments with how they played because moving Mike Rimmers to left tackle and moving Andrew Wiley to right tackle, yeah. uh, you know, you you can't play the same way you typically play, and they did, and yeah. you saw what happened. Trez, let me ask you about that. You, you talked about the t- the three teams. I heard you in Charles Robinson podcast, uh, NFL podcast, Yahoo Sports NFL podcast earlier, and you brought this up. Okay, it's the 72 Dolphins, not the one that went undefeated. It was the 72 Super Bowl the year after they went undefeated. They get three points. 
We saw it two years ago, 2019, where the Rams scored three points. And we saw it with the Chiefs not scoring a touchdown. The common denominator, though, Therese, Tom Brady was the quarterback of two of those teams. So 75% of the time that happened in the NFL, he's been the quarterback. And I know he got the MVP. And I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Because I said it all along last night, and Tom Brady has his defenders. Tom Brady didn't beat the Chiefs. The Buccaneers' defense won that game. Yeah, I think I think it was a pretty complete win. Um, I, I think the defense was definitely the driving force, and they could have easily given the MVP to Devin White or um, you know one one of the defensive linemen, and that would have been fine. Um, but 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 when you talk to the Bucks and you hear them talk about Brady, I know why he got MVPs because he changed the culture there. And I think you have to acknowledge that and, and appreciate that. And that, that's why he won. He's a guy who taught those guys how to win. Remember, this was a team that was finishing around 500 last year. I mean, they finished around 500. And they're not significantly different than last year other than a few upgrades uh, through the draft and Antonio Brown. So um, I, I think that, you know, they did a nice job obviously building around Brady, but he's built, he, he brought a confidence to them. That I thought paid off. And I also want to give a lot of credit to Bucks offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. You know, I thought his game plan was very reminiscent of the Bucks, um, excuse me, the Patriots Super Bowl game plans over the last half decade. And those are very successful game plans. They typically win. Um, there's a lot of short passes. They control the game with the run game. Um, and then they use play action off that with a few select shot passes. So um, good game plan, but also think Tom Brady did an excellent job managing the game. And if you if you can play like that in a Super Bowl and your defense plays like that, you're just going to win. I, I thought it was a complete team effort. What's it say about that Belichick-Brady argument, Therese, that we've all had? I've yeah. had this argument a million times, you know, with friends. I've always, you know, kind of sat on the fence on this one, to be honest with you. And I said yeah. it's like uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. It's something I know well. Peanut butter and chocolate, they go pretty damn good together, don't they, Therese? And I said yes, they, they need each other. You know what I'm saying? I'm not giving credit to one or the other. But, yeah. you know, it, it might be hard to make that argument anymore. Yeah, that you know, that's a good way of looking at it. I'm there with you. At least I've been there with you thinking, like, they, they help make each other. But what Brady accomplished this season and what the Patriots did without him, remember, they went 7-9 and nine without – Tom Brady this year. That's Belichick's worst record, worst record since 2000. You know, I, I think I think right now Tom is winning. Like Tom is winning. Um, he immediately goes into another situation where they do have more talent, by the way, and he leads them to the Super Bowl and a win over the heavily favored team and the next generational quarterback. That means a lot. Uh, I think you know Tom Brady's legacy was already cemented, but it's only going to make it that much harder for anybody to ever duplicate his accomplishments. And I think he deserves all the credit in the world for that. Here's what he said, Therese, during Super Bowl week, and it really stood out to me. And I don't know what you make of this or not, but this is pretty telling. This is Tom Brady during Super Bowl week because it kind of gave a mindset when we look at two teams between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. This is why it gave the Chiefs um, a lot of the mojo to win this game because of this comment by Tom Brady. Not as a bad comment, but the true comment. The thing that's been difficult, again, is, um, you know, just haven't been able to meet you know, there's a lot of people in here that I just have never really got a chance to get to know. I mean, certain players on defense that I just don't know very well. We're not, we're not able to be together in certain rooms. We're not able to eat together. We're not able to travel well. You know, we don't get the normal camaraderie that you have on a normal team. So under the circumstances, we're all doing the best we could do. And, um, 
you know, it's it's been a tricky year in that sense. But, um, you know, again, just going to try to go do my best like I always do to try to try to finish the job this coming week. That's Brady talking about that. You know, different meeting rooms. We're not able to eat together. This is a byproduct of COVID, right? We don't get the Chiefs all know each other. That's why I gave Mm -hmm. a little bit of advantage to Chiefs because they all all know each other. And this is something we talked about with the Bucs all year, Therese, because you and I talked a lot about Arian's comments when he said, well, they're not able to connect deep. Because don't forget, around week 12, there's a lot of people that gave up on Brady. They did. Said he's washed, he's done, he's a has-been. There was a whole lot of that that went on social media. And he wasn't able to connect because he didn't have that chemistry built up. Well, once that chemistry finally kicked in, which I do believe happened during the second half of that Chiefs game, to look out. But again, news, he didn't have OTAs, he didn't have minicamp. Here's Tom Brady. Yes, he's the greatest of all time, but he didn't know his players. And that was a huge setback, and people thought Arians was being a crybaby. He was telling the truth, man, because there's Tom just spelling it out right there. I don't know these guys that well. Yeah, and I, I think that that speaks to one of the other things he brought there. Right, because when he got there, he didn't have the normal time with the receivers that you typically get when you go from one team to another. And I thought Aaron's, Bruce Aarons was great on this today during his press conference. He wanted to give Brady a lot of love for learning the verbiage of his offense, learning the offense, and then learning how to execute it in very difficult circumstances. But that's not what stood out to me. What stood out to me was that Tom Brady was able to do that because of how much he loves football. His comments about how, you know, this was the NFL for junkies this year, basically thanks to COVID protocols, like you couldn't like have a whole lot of distractions. It was basically all about ball. And what he said was, this was like going to football camp with your friends. And when I real when I heard that, I'm like, oh man, Tom Brady is a maniac. He just had fun in a COVID year. Like the the trappings of the game and all yeah. the other stuff that comes with the game. He doesn't care about it at all. He just loves the process of getting ready to play football and doing it with his guys. And that's why he was able to get acclimated in this this system, this situation so quickly. And that impresses me, quite honest. Like, I, we all should be take a minute to be impressed by that and, like, acknowledge that, you know, the Bucks played a heck of a game. And it's, it does start with number 12. Therese, uh, Bruce Arians, a guy that uh, shows has shown up before, to the uh, NFL 101 awards that the Chiefs put on, right? You've been down there and you covered it. Yeah. Um, I, you, you might still do it, although it, I don't know about this year with COVID, but when the star. And Bruce Arians was there one day. And I got to thinking, you know, Bruce Arians loves the Kansas City Chiefs organization, and they have a lot of fondness towards him. He was Some of his best memories are when he was with the Chiefs as an assistant. When the Chiefs got on that plane to go interview Andy Reid in Philadelphia, Therese, I said at the time, I truly believed – if Andy Reid wouldn't have taken the job, it would have been Bruce Arians because he was hired a week later in Arizona. I do believe he was high on their list to go talk to and because they really had a lot of you know, good feeling. Who knows how it would have worked out? Bruce is on his second job since then, but I do believe that would have happened. I don't know where you come out on that or not, but I know the Chiefs thought enough about him. Well, I think it would have been a great hire. I mean, that all went down before I became the Chiefs beat writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually haven't heard a whole lot of, like about that process. Like everybody has been so focused on like the next thing with Andy. But um, I, I think that would have been a nice hire. I mean, obviously, I think Andy Reid's the better coach. Even sure. though you, pro- you wouldn't have been able to tell at times last night. Um, but he is the better coach. And the Chiefs are better for him being here. He changed the complete, the entire program here. And, and – 
And I, I don't think the Chiefs change anything, right? They certainly don't change anything. But I do think Arians is a heck of a coach on his own. And, um, you know, I think, I think now that he has his Super Bowl title, I think people are going to start looking at his legacy a little bit different too. For coaches, it matters. Like Super Bowl titles matter, period. And um, for one of the more interesting coaches, <laughs> one of the more uh, honest coaches, frank, I should say, coaches, uh, I'm glad. Like I'm glad to see that you don't have to give nothing quotes all the time um, to win games. I, I, I appreciate the fact that uh, – He's an interesting guy who gives frank opinions. Therese, you're not one to make excuses, but I'm curious about this. A lot of times I don't blame the officiating after the game. I just don't. I did feel last night on the postgame show, okay, some of it was merited. Because, I mean, it's between the lines. We criticize players. I felt they deserved to be criticized too. Mike Pereira uh, joined uh, the drive earlier this afternoon, and he wasn't real thrilled with the way that they called the first half of the game because he saw discrepancies for how the games were called in the postseason before you got to the Super Bowl. There was no consistency on how some of these rules were done. I know it didn't wasn't the end-all, be-all. The Chiefs didn't lose just because of officiating. How big of a problem, or was it a problem in your mind? Yeah, it, it was. But I, I don't like giving that stuff life, Vink, because I, I think when you lose as completely as the Chiefs did, you know, I think you need to own up to, to the depth of your own failure. Right. Like you can't fix it unless you acknowledge how you stunk. So, like, yes, I thought some of those calls were brutal. Um, I, I want like the offsides, for instance, most of the time referees will give you you, you check with them first and they'll let you and as long as they say, yeah, yeah. you kind of go over a little bit. Like they don't just call that in that instance. Um, then some of the, the, the holes like the Chiefs have been grabby all year and they I mean, this is the game that they're going to enforce it. But on the flip side, it didn't take long to see that they weren't going to allow some of that. So at that point, you have to adjust um, the personal fouls, the unsportsmanlike conducts. You, you know, you can't have those either. And um, I, I did think that it is the referee's job to try to keep things fairly even. I thought, remember, a lot of those calls resulted in more points for the Buccaneers. But let's also not act like the Chiefs were playing well. They they weren't playing well offensively. I thought defensively, they were really competing. Like Damian Wilson's two stops on the goal line, really impressive stuff. And I thought they had a chance to switch it. But, you know, the interception by Matthew that gets overturned and just, huge, you know, it all kinds of stuff. By the way, I ran some numbers on this. Um so last year, there were five penalties called total in last year's Super Bowl. <laughs> five total. Chiefs more than doubled that. Hey, Tom it Brady is. got six first downs on penalties. Just alone. <laughs> and, then, and then two years ago. But 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 here's the thing. Like, there's a history recently of teams having, like, double-digit penalties in the Super Bowl, right? Like, the Rams had nine two years ago. The Eagles had six three years ago. Well, not there. But the Falcons had nine four years ago. But... Penalty yards, 120 for the Chiefs. You got to go back 40 years to find a team penalized that much in the Super Bowl. So either the Chiefs were in discipline or the officiating was tic-tac or maybe it's a combination of both. But no matter what, it did play a role in the game. But I, I don't like, you know, harping on that too much because, like, I think we would agree they got their butts kicked up front on both sides of the ball. And in a game like football, 
When that's the case, you deserve to lose. Coming up in the third segment of the show, Therese sits down with uh, Brandon Thorne to talk offensive line. We'll get to that. A few more things on the Super Bowl. Then where the Chiefs go next. I want to know that. We'll do that next on the Therese Paler Show. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Trez Paler Show. He's on Twitter at Trez Paler. Make sure you're following him all the time for the latest in the National Football League. Of course, his knowledge of the Chiefs is second to none. But we have a little thing called the NFL Draft coming up. And there's no combine, so you need this from outside sources. Brandon Thorne, offensive line struggles for the Chiefs. That interview comes up next. But Trez Paler, also a Hall of Fame voter. And we got new members of the Hall of Fame. What's up, Trez? Hey, my man, Bink. Thank you for changing the subject to something I love. The Hall of Fame, man. <laughs> I like what a great too. weekend. Get the knock. You get the knock, man. I love how they do that, man. <laughs> I love how they get the knock. Fanica, I couldn't see. Like He was really happy, but I couldn't tell. Like when they went to his house, I was like, "All right, be excited, Alan." <laughs> Listen, that's the thing. I, I remember I was looking at him like I'm like, first of all, that guy's lost a ton of weight. See, right? oh, like, oh man, he looked great, Therese. Yeah, I mean, guys like me, that, great. I mean, I, th- I mean, I thought he was scared of Baker. No, no. So, 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 and then it was just like, it was like it was. I don't know. It was. It was one of the more. more it was one of the more different Hall of Fame reactions we've seen. <laughs> Um, a little different than Charles Woodson, oh, who just man. started balling, you know? Yeah. Woodson. So the, cool, though, man. Yeah, it's Because you and I both know how much these guys oh. have to sacrifice to play. That's the ultimate, uh, man. It's just kind of that. It's just Isn't like it the, like the ultimate, uh, it, help it, me with the word, it's the, it never the justification? Leave. Justification, oh. vindification, yeah. uh, Trump yeah. Flores, you know, the, once you're there, you're always there. You know, your memory lives on there. What you accomplish in the sport of football is there. Legacy. Yeah, Yeah. legacy. Yeah, they're in this for a reason. And it's like kind of the ultimate moment. I love when the Hall of Fame players get the knock. I mean, it's such a big part of it with that reception. What would you make of the whole Honey Badger-Tom Brady interaction? Speaking of uh, Tom's a guarantee and and Honey Badger, 
might get in there. He's an all-decades player. But these two had a huge amount of respect for each other on their conference calls, both both, both ways, Tyron and Tom. Tom texted him today. You, you hated to see that because Tom goes running all the field, and Honey Badger gets the penalty for it, but it sounds like everything's kind of smoothed over between them two. I, I mean, I think so, but it was so weird it because, it, you know, I, those are two guys who are, like, great players, and typically you, just, you see a little bit more respect for each other than that. And uh, I, I know Badger has a lot of respect for Brady, so, like, I, I do wonder what was said to him. Um, it, it was a little jarring, to be honest. Um, but, but but it sounds like Brady knew he was wrong because he apologized. So Yeah, um, he doesn't do that put unless it he way. thinks he was wrong. Yeah, put it this way. You know, that's going on the motivational fire for the Honey Badger. You know, the Bucks were strutting and oh, yeah. they were celebrating and they were talking and they were yapping. Um, the next time the Chiefs see them, it's going to be for real, for real. And my hunch is they will be doing it without, um, you know, without backup linemen on the offensive <laughs> line. And uh, no, I'm just telling you. No, like, it's, it's true. This it, is the biggest embarrassment of like the Mahomes era. Yeah. The way they got smacked down on this national stage. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know if that's the worst thing in the world, right? Like it sucks losing a Super Bowl. It always stinks losing a Super Bowl. But, um, you know, this is the kind of thing that can fuel you for years. Like don't think that Brady's Super Bowl losses didn't fuel him. Um, I'm 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 very confident that there will come a day where the Chiefs win another Super Bowl, and I'll be writing a story about how the seeds for that Super Bowl were planted, like on February seventh, two thousand twenty-one. I'm I'm pretty confident about that. I just don't know when it's going to come, and they've got some work to do to make it next year. I can't I can't wait to read that article, Therese. And here's the thing about it. It does serve as fuel. It's like the it's like the Jordan meme that's going around. It's not the the crying Jordan. Thankfully, it's something else. Oh, I took that personally, right? Where he's sitting in the couch. They put because there is some of that. Just like Mah- just like Mahomes getting uh, less votes than Josh Allen for MVP. These things they do know these things, and it does provide fuel. But something that I think should be their motto next year, Therese, and it won't be. But it's something Eric Bieniemy said. Not after the game. This was before the game when he met the media. But what Eric Bieniemy said just made so much sense to me because of how he was talking and how he said it and the fact that Eric Bieniemy, you know, he talks a lot about that. This is why this guy should be a head coach in, in the NFL without a question because of the way that he understands winning. In order to appreciate winning, you have to despise losing. Okay, You have to despise that feeling of what it what it feels like in the agony of defeat. To appreciate winning, you have to despise losing. Certain cats have this, Therese. Nick Saban, Mm -hmm. with the confetti falling down on his head at the national title game, said he just passed Bear Bryant. He he says, you know what, that's great. I remember the two losses I had. Mm -hmm. You know, to appreciate winning, you have to despise losing. And somehow, I think Mahomes has a little bit of this in him. Uh, I do too, and I, I look. I know I'm like the body language doctor with Mahomes, but you know, I, I I really really liked his his demeanor today. Sure. And I didn't think his demeanor last night was bad either. Like, I thought he was clearly disappointed, but he wasn't defeated, and I was looking for that. So I like that. Um, and I thought today he was a little bit more upbeat too. Um, I, I think he's okay. I think the kid's gonna be okay. I really do. Um. I mean, he said he was going to watch the film today. Like, he, <laughs> he's like, back to work. You know, he's just like, hey, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, I got to go look at the film. 
Isn't this what Jerry Holmes Rice is is, is, isn't this, isn't, better. Isn't this what Jerry Rice did though? Like after a Super Bowl, like he and Steve Young would be out there throwing passes the next day. It's what yeah, this is what I they mean, do. It, but here's why it's interesting to know, because like I oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Jerry did lose one with the with the Raiders. Um Yes. I th- I think uh this is what this is how it's supposed to go. Um you know, Andy Andy Reid was kind of the same way too. Like I think it's kind of back to work for these guys. Like Mahomes is going to heal up a little bit, and you know I think Brett Veach has some work to do, and I think he knows that. Like you know, we're, we're looking at this offensive line, and we'll talk about that with Brandon. But yeah. you know, Fisher's got the Achilles. That's an eleven month injury. Um, he might not be ready into the playoffs next year. Well, you got sixteen games you got to get through. Okay, so they're going to need to sign a left tackle, um, a veteran, somebody to get them through. If it's not a top one hundred pick on one. Um, right tackle Mitchell Swartz out for the whole season basically um, since mid-season with a back injury like we don't know his status going forward man like, we don't know so here's the thing too like you can't just draft two kids and put them there like you need to sign a veteran who could play and then have a kid there um, I think I, get, I think getting the doctor back I think having Larry back would help um, I, you know, I don't hate Wiley at guard. You know, I like Allegretti and Wisniewski and right, you know, and I, I think Ryder is pretty good in pass protection and he shows some aggression too. Like, I think you can upgrade at those spots along the offense on the interior. There's room for upgrades, but for in general, they're smart and tough. The key factor are their tackles. And that's what's really got to get addressed here. Like their tackle play has got to be reinforced for injury. It just has to be. Because you can't go through another year like this with him. And I, I'd also like to call for this too, Bink. Like, I know it's, a, I know the Chiefs aerial circus is a blast. Like, I'm off. I got it. But for all the people that said they didn't have to run the ball all year, well, last night they did. Yep. Like, I'm sorry. They did because, uh, a lot of two deep shells, um, with some light boxes. Guess what that means? It's time to run the ball. And they didn't call enough. Um, and, uh, and I wonder if they didn't call enough cause they didn't think internally that they could get the yards and they'd never say that, but Clyde you and I fresh. both know Vita Vey. Yeah. You and I both know Vita Vey and sewer <laughs> monsters. Well, right? Trez, Ter- it's the number one thing to do against aggressive defensive lines. They weren't blitzing. They were getting their pressure screens and draws. Well, exactly. And, and just traditional runs, like let your, let your offensive line, which is overmatched, take a little bit of their frustration out through the run game through some doubles. I mean, you know that. Mm-hmm. And they there and here's what I will say too. On the instances where there were traditional run concepts, I thought the Chiefs offensive line in the first half blocked pretty well. And then in the start of the second half, Bank, I thought they blocked pretty well. Like they they were blocking with some aggressiveness. And I, I wish they had done a little more of that because I think it might have helped stem some of that buck aggression. But you know, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid know a lot more about offense than me. I will clearly concede that they forgot more than I'll ever know. It's, this is just one of those things where you wonder what happened, and and it'd be great to like find out like why there there was such a pass heavy emphasis against a team that they clearly couldn't block. Well, they're going to have to be creative with the Trez. They're over the cap now. The cap's coming down. I mean, it's coming down. <laughs> looks like pretty good from where they were last year. GMs are going to have to be on the ball this year. They're gonna, and they, they might get some deals with free agents this year. I don't know if it's going to be like baseball where you get some deals from time to time, but they're going to have to make some hay in this draft because that's where you don't have to pay the players as much. And let's face it, with the salary cap coming back, it's going to be some changes in the NFL. Yeah, no, there, there's definitely going to be that. So 
some teams are going to have money. A lot of teams won't. Um, that, you know, that, that could give you teams an opportunity to do a little bargain shopping. Um, no matter what though, they, they got to get a better swing tackle, somebody that can actually like start games and left tackle. And that's expensive. You yep. know, that, yep. that's not going to, even for like a swing tackle, that's going to cost some money. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes with them, but I, I do think some resources have to go on the offensive line because you we can't watch that again. Like this guy, Mahomes is a generational quarterback, and that was brutal to watch. Um, injuries do accumulate, and and they they have to they have to protect him better in big games, and they have to they have to fortify the offensive line so much that it would take um, even more injuries to to really make us see what we saw on Sunday again. Coming up next, uh, Trez's interview with Brandon Thorne. He's an offensive line guru, writes the Trench Warfare newsletters, an analyst for at Establish the Run. Speaking of Establish the Run, he does video work as well at the Scott Academy. Trez, your interview with Brandon Thorne, you obviously wanted to talk offensive line. This pretty good interview you had with Brandon. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I was looking forward to it. Um, I think it's enlightening for fans. Um, who probably are focused on the offensive line right now. And I think what's really interesting is Brandon does draft stuff. So he's going to look at every draft eligible offensive lineman that's expected to get a look and break it down in his newsletter. So he's doing the tape work, folks. I hope you guys check him out. I be, think he's smart. It's going to be great stuff. It's Trez with Brandon Thorne. Don't forget your Trez questions. 913-576-7610 for the final segment. But coming up next, Trez's interview with Brandon Thorne. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Therese Paler Show. Therese sat down with Brandon Thorne, Trench Warfare Newsletter, analyst at Ad Established the Run about the offensive line woes, and this guy knows offensive line. Here's Therese with Brandon. Just Brandon, just based on your observations, man, like what did you see happening up there with the Chiefs' offensive line versus the Bucks' defensive front? Well, I mean, kind of what we expected, or at least, you know, I, certainly what I expected for the most part is, you know, the, the kind of the patchwork unit that they had up there with, I think, four of the five guys being being backups. Uh, you know, Reader at centers played quite a bit, but the rest of the guys, just a bunch of guys playing out of position as well, both tackles. Uh, you know, Mike Remmers is a guy who is, you know, much better at right tackle than left. Um, based on his prior tape there. And then, you know, Andrew Wiley kicking out, um, you know, that that was kind of easy to see. It would be a struggle as well. And so, you know, I mean, really what I saw is the Bucks running a lot of games up front to really test, uh, you know, that, that new line. Uh, you know, games, I think one of the big things is communication is huge for offensive line when you're trying to block all those stunts and twists and everything that they were running. And, you know, if you don't have a lot of time to, you know, practice together or even just to have that time to communicate, you know, you had like, a, you know, two weeks to prepare, that, that's tough. Um, and then there's only so much you can do on top of that when the players that you're working with are limited uh, as pass protectors. Um, so, you know, especially against the Bucks defensive line with, you know, pretty good players across the board, you know, no like elite stud kind of guys, but just a lot of good players. Um, so the Bucks were able to, you know, put them in positions to, uh, you know, get to the edge and, uh, you know, really stress those tackles. And I think that's where it started. And, you know, nobody really played necessarily well uh, for the Chiefs offensive line. But, you know, part of it also, I think, is important to point out that Patrick Mahomes, um, 
you know, tends to drop pretty far back uh, as a pass, you know, as a as a passer. Uh, so, you know, with everything we just said, uh, you know, especially with the tackles being a weakness, mm-hmm. if they have to pass protect for that extended period of time, you know, pass nine, nine and a half yards behind the line of scrimmage, which they did, uh, Patrick would drop, you know, back to 10 or even more. That just makes the angle, you know, that much more difficult for tackles to hold up that long against when they're outmatched already. So, you know, I think part of it falls on Mahomes' shoulders as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they they just got outplayed by better players pretty much. Um, you know, the stat came out afterward and people were kind of shocked by it. The Chiefs were using five-man protection uh, 92% of the time. That was the third most since 2016 um did that surprise you because i did see them using some chips and stuff i but 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 like did it surprise you that the, that the game plan wasn't a little bit more centered to to help um these tackles who were a little bit um who certainly knew to those specific positions with this group and, and maybe limited a little with, with foot quickness yeah uh Yes and no. I mean, yes, just because of what we've said and them just being outmatched, you know, just as players in a vacuum one-on-one. That's obviously very difficult to ask. And then, you know, no as well, just because, um, you know, I I, I think that they were assuming that Mahomes could, you know, find the opening, uh, you know, quickly by having that extra receiver out in the route. Um, so I could kind of understand it from that standpoint, you know, you're trusting your quarterback, putting it all on him Mm -hmm. and just believing that he's going to be able to find those open guys. Uh, but I think a huge part of the Bucks' success was their coverage unit as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, linebackers, safeties, corners, everybody, uh, you know, there's kind of that synergistic relationship, you know, that people talk about. And I think there's a lot to it of, you know, pass rush and secondary coverage. So. Uh, I think they worked very well, uh, you know, off each other. and They worked hand in hand. So um, that's a big part of it uh, that I think kind of thwarted that plan of the Chiefs. But I understand why they went that way, you know, to an extent, because if you're assuming you're going to get rid of the ball very quickly, then the five-man protection thing isn't that big of an issue. But if there's just no openings, then that's partly why Mahomes had to drop back as far as he did to – try to buy time for guys to uncover and then roll around and the Bucks, you know, played really good contain as well on top of just getting pressure. So, yeah, I think it was really not as much of, you know, what the chiefs didn't do is more so what the Bucks did do in this mm-hmm. game. I just thought defensively, it was just a brilliant game plan and the execution was just, you know, phenomenal. Got you. I know people um, don't, <laughs> I, I feel like when we talk about maybe running the ball more, it's immediately kind of discussed as like an old man take. I don't know where you fall on that. Yeah. But, but but here's what yeah. I do know. I do know sometimes when your offensive line's overmatched but they're aggressive guys, sometimes when you do mix in the run more, it gives them some confidence and gets those guys on their heels a little bit. Um, you know, is that something that you see, you think that maybe they could have mixed in a little more? Because Andy Reid did mention, like, yeah, I could have done – a few a few more runs but i am curious to know where you fall on that because i definitely respect your scout and i yeah um i mean i think it depends on the situation and the matchup really uh i mean generally i i do think that there is something to running the ball getting uh, offensive linemen more into the game and confident because that's generally what they like to do more um, but the Chiefs have had so much success not running the ball mm-hmm. that, you know, for them specifically, I don't know 
how much credence there is to that. Um, now, you know, they could have ran the ball a little bit more simply just to take pressure off of them having to pass protect. Uh, I don't know how successful it would have been, though, because, I mean, it's not like the Bucks had really good edge rushers and the Chiefs had, you know, poor pass blocking tackles, but then they had, you know, these studs on the interior going against a weak interior defensive line. That was not the case at all. They actually had to, you know, try to move Vita Vea and, you know, Sue off the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? So it's not like they could have just, you know, started mashing them and, you know, just pushing them off the ball either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they really had nowhere to go um, in terms of, you know, having, you know, a schematic or just not even a schematic, just like any sort of advantage from their offensive line to the Bucks defensive line. There was just, I don't think, one single matchup for any single player on the unit. So yep. I think it just kind of hamstrung them a little bit. Yeah, I think this does speak to the importance of offensive line play and how, like in today's yeah. NFL, it is pretty offensive oriented. But, you know, um, if you can win up front defensively, you got a chance, even against the greatest of quarterbacks, man. Um how how differently does this does this game play out? You think if Eric Fisher's healthy? Uh, I mean, it would have certainly helped because then you would have upgraded two positions. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Remmers would have been right tackle, and well, I guess you would have upgraded three positions. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if Fisher was healthy, just because you know left tackle would have been better, right tackle, and then Wiley would have played right guard. So, uh, I mean, you know, now that I think about it a little bit, probably pretty significantly, <laughs> you know, I mean, Fisher's a, you know, I think he's an above average tackle. I don't think he's, you know, very good or elite, but, you know, having an above average guy in that game last night would have been big in of itself. But then when you think about the two other positions, it would have improved. I mean, yeah, I think that would have been pretty, pretty big for sure. Last thing, Brandon, what, um, yeah, I'm sure you. I mean, how many hours of the like Chiefs offensive line tape? I'm sure have you watched? I'm sure it's just hours and hours of it. Like, I was wondering if you could kind of just walk through the line and you know maybe identify um, just just your scouting notes on some of the guys they have and where they could potentially upgrade if if it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to. You know, I don't really know the situation. You know, I think the biggest question for me that is, you know, a situation that I would want to get answered, you know, just looking at the offensive line from the scouting perspective is right tackle. Like, it is, you know, is it just kind of a, a assumption that Mitchell Schwartz is going to come back, you know, 100%? I mean, the, the back injury is kind of vague, you know, in terms of the information we had on it, and I just don't really know where that is. So that one is – that's concerning to me because that's your best player, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the line. And, you know, I think – possibly getting some insurance you know at the tackle position uh wouldn't be a bad idea i know they have a young guy from tcu uh there um lucas niang but you know so i don't know what they feel about him uh maybe that he's the guy but i would think you know looking at a tackle uh you know insurance policy kind of guy somebody you can get in there to develop assuming schwartz you know is expected to come back i think that would be really important um and then certainly an interior guy. I mean, I, I'd love to see them upgrade center. Uh, you know, I think since losing Morse, you know, in free agency or, you know, letting him go, I think that was a pretty big loss. And I think that he could do a lot, especially for that type of offense, uh, you know, who loves the screen game and, and stuff like that. I mean, having a guy like Morse is so good on screens at the center position and, and just movement and space, all that kind of stuff, I think would be huge. Um and, you know, we'll see about, uh, you know, LDT if, you know, I don't know the situation on that, if he's coming back or not, but uh, you know, that would kind of inform my decision on a guard. 
you know so yeah that's his intent he, he said that he's thinking of coming back this summer so that that would help okay. <laughs> right um, yeah that's big now, now um, here's the thing yeah. now here's the thing guys brandon will be scouting every draft eligible offensive lineman okay um and doing nfl offensive line defensive line content for the rest of the offseason so you guys are ready to scout some linemen see some, get some big bodies in here brandon's actually a great follow on twitter um, not, but also with his newsletter, because again, he's doing the tape work on these draft prospects and I completely respect his evaluation. So Brandon, tell people, tell these listeners how they can find your work, my man. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it. Trenchwarfare.substack.com is, is my newsletter and, uh, you, you know, on Twitter as well at Brandon Thorne NFL, uh, I post a, you know, quite a bit of video and thoughts and stuff like that on there. So those are be the two best spots to find my work okay hey brandon man this was great thank you so much man oh yeah absolutely anytime there you go trez paler with brandon thorne talking everything offensive line hey landon dickerson creed humphrey out there centers could they be there at 31 maybe maybe not don't forget 913-576-7610 if you have a question for trez we address that as we go around the nfl next you're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Therese Paler Show. You can follow Therese on Twitter at Therese Paler, senior NFL writer, Yahoo Sports, and Hall of Fame voter. Good stuff there with uh, Brandon Therese. Appreciate it, man. I thought it was interesting. Um, I always like getting multiple eyes. You know, I trust yeah. your eye on O-line play. I trust Specializes. obviously my eye, but I trust his, and I want to get another one in there, you know? Yeah, I enjoyed it because uh, we all know it all starts with that offensive line, Therese. That's right. Well, it certainly did last night, didn't it? Well, we're not saying that because you and I are not fellows that are, you know, going around 120 pounds. You know, we got, <laughs> <laughs> we got respect no matter what size we are. Anyway, don't forget your questions to Therese, 913-576-7610. Let's go around the NFL. All right, Therese, there's 256 uh, NFL games scheduled, 256 games played. The playoffs went off without a hitch. The NFL got to dodge a few bullets here and there and having both quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, things worked out the right direction. Overall, no bubble. The other sports, you look at the bubble situation. The NFL did not do a bubble, big rosters, but they managed to make it through. How big is that for the NFL? Yeah, I think that's huge, man. I think uh, it, it's huge because nobody, <laughs> very few people expected it to go off the way it had. But honestly, guys, like it's important because the league needed that influx of cash by playing most of its games. So they fulfilled their television contracts. Yes, the cap will go down by about $20 million next year. But, um, or this year, I can say now, um, it would have been way worse if they were forced to miss games. So um, for the most part, the money is going to be fixable going forward and that that's a big deal for both sides players and owners wanted that are you good without uh cardboard cutouts next year <laughs> uh yeah provided the country continues to make the strides it needs to make to to make hosting sporting events safe did you have um, one that, that go no gosh no that that goes above my pay grade though my man so <laughs> it was 100 bucks we'll let the, the experts handle that it was 100 we'll bucks. let dr rex archer figure that out you could have been sitting in Tampa at Raymond James for a hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you gotta 
gotta save your money here. I'm all right. I was I was watching on my television. That was good, thing. How about you? You should have put. You should have had right there. You could have been right there. Yeah, I was. I was right here with the uh, with the uh, crane dog watching it here. I don't like watching it with too many people. I, you know, I'm just not that way. I haven't matured too much when I'm watching games. But sat here to do the post game show and just. You know, kind of watched it. I, I don't like watching football with people, Therese. I just don't. I don't know what it is. It's just not something I like to do. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. Because um, you're intense about it. You know, you want to yeah. You want to rave a little bit on your own. I get it. I totally yeah. understand. Yeah, you got to do that. All right, Therese, what's going on with Carson Wentz? Are they really going to get a Matt Stafford Hall that they're looking for? No. Uh, <laughs> if, if it, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to tell you. His tape stunk. In 2020, okay, like, <laughs> no, like, no, gosh, no. I maybe a first round pick. I wouldn't do it. I would. He'd be getting the Alex Smith from San Francisco package of two second round picks. I could live with that. And if I were Philly, I'd be glad to take that. And uh, knowing that I got to do the heavy lifting of bringing this guy back from what happened last season and, and building his confidence again and fixing him and his his mechanics. So um, that that's not gonna be. I mean, this is not gonna be. You know, ready-made. You know, jet and go. Like you're gonna have some work to do. So, no, I wouldn't be giving up first-round picks for Carson, even though I do think he's talented. Here's a question, Teres, from the nine-one-three. Um, would you ever think about bringing in J.J. Watt on a one- or two-year team-friendly deal to be a rotation guy for the pass rush and be great in the locker room? Gosh, yes, 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 uh, yes. That would be awesome. The kind of guy that you know the Chiefs have to start flexing. You know, the fact that they're they got Mahomes and they got Reed and, you know, let's bring someone into the program here who really wants to win and has made a lot of money. This is what they need to be trying to do. Value deals for really good players. Something like that will work. But I do think, again, we, we, the, the priority's got to be improving the offensive line so that they can really bludgeon teams who want to play this two safety uh, too deep safety stuff. You got to really make them hurt on that. And the way you make them hurt is by having linemen that can combo block you five yards downfield and, and like really punish you for that. And eventually these are grown men. They, they can't handle just, you know, giving up five to six yards of pop. So then they're going to start putting guys in a box and then you'll start getting your deep shots to Ty Hill. So, um, I mean, you, look, I'm old school though. You know, people can say this, oh, this is the troglodyte mentality, but football is still football to me. And, you know, if you lose enough front, you can lose the game. So, um, not to go on a rant here, but I know you agree with me. <laughs> I do. From the 816, Therese, the Chiefs are already <laughs> Vegas favorites for the Super Bowl. Hey, they dominate this division, and they play Therese Paylor's favorite divi or division, the NFC East, next year. No. We're going to see the Chiefs in the bowl again? It might be. Look, it's hard. Like, it's hard to go to three Super Bowls in a row. Um, you know, only the Bills did it from the early 90s. The Patriots a few years ago did that. And um, the early 70s Dolphins. So that's actually really hard to do. But I'm not sure every anyone in the AFC is ready yet. Um, or they'll be ready next year. Here's what I do know. It's hard to go three years in a row. Some teams are going to emerge and be better. Could be Buffalo. Could be Cleveland. Um, and, and the Chiefs need to deal with their roster deficiencies and, and make sure that their depth on offensive line it is is solid in case people get hurt again because we can't go through that again. Well, this has been the Therese Paler Show. Don't forget to go back. It'll be podcasted as well. Go back and listen to that great interview Therese had with Brandon Thorne. Therese had a ton of fun this year on the Therese Paler Show, man. Thank you very much. 
Pink, thank you. It was awesome. Nick, our producer, appreciate you, man. Thank you for everybody for listening. Had a great year. A lot of fun. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. There's Trez Paler right there. Follow him on Twitter at Trez Paler. Well, coming up next, two guys that I know really well. Nick Price, who produced the last two shows for me. Great job, Nick Price. Thank you. And sitting to my right, a guy we call the Dust Man, Dusty Likens, who's been here every day at 5 o'clock in the morning, even earlier, if you want to count. He does a show at 8 o'clock called Red Reaction with Nick Price. That's next! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.